Hi, I'm Kevin DeCristofano. I'm Sean Flanagan. We are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, your weekly podcast where we discuss the Ninja Turtle comics one issue at a time. How you been? You know what I've been watching a lot of, which I've found is like a a hidden treasure trove of nostalgia, is um, on Paramount Plus. I started watching The Real World, and really, like, yeah, the first season. It, it came out in 1992, so it's like super nostalgic. Like, like there's you know it's it's like unintentionally now a documentary of life before computers and cell phones. <laughs> it's like looking at like what these people are doing. There was like, and it's also like before they learned how reality TV really works. So there's no big personalities. It's literally just seven normal people. And like so far, the biggest conflict was um, somebody was recording. Like they had set up Star Trek: The Next Generation to record on VHS, like record on the VCR, and like someone changed the channel. And like that reminded me of like. Back then, if someone did that, like, there's no DVDs that you can all oh, just buy the season next year. There's no streaming where, where tomorrow you can just catch the episode. You missed that episode. You missed it. You know, it's gone. Like, how crazy is that? The next time you might see that is a year from now when it's in syndication. Or if you, like, luck out and they do one of those best of a season tapes or something. Yeah, Exactly. But I'm starting to feel like that old man meme where it's like you're you're like, look, not a cell phone in sight. You know how you always see that? It's like but like it's true. It's like it's crazy to watch this and this these young kids out doing living life, playing music and such. The kids yelling at each other on the internets got me to sign up for Netflix for one month to watch He-Man. You know, I, I enjoyed it. I'm not a He-Man person you know we were a little young for that for a show in the 80s made to sell toys for a sequel series it was pretty good you know there was a plot and some character development i i understand you know why maybe people were disappointed but at the same time have you watched he-man recently because <laughs> other than the uh you know little positive lessons at the end of the show that was so you'd run in the other room and beg your parents for toys, which is kind of what the 87 Turtles cartoon was. So, yeah, I never got into He-Man as a kid. Uh, like, I didn't get into G.I. Joe either. It was just Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters. Those two things were enough. But you know who probably has some thoughts on He-Man is we have a very special guest this week. Jason from Turtle Recall is here. What is going on? Hashtag Let's Hall Shell. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, as soon as you start talking about He-Man, our, like, uh, our, our next podcast, actually, we haven't recorded it yet, but we're actually doing a review on the new He-Man series because a lot of people want to know our opinions on it. And I'm like, uh, even though it has nothing to do with Turtles, but I guess because it came out in the same time. But, yeah. Sean, I'm with you all. Uh, I just didn't, like, when I was a kid, I liked He-Man because, like, you know, I was a kid. But then, like, when I was in college, I tried to watch it, and I just did not care for it. Like, uh, and, like I-, I think I made it to, like, the third or fourth DVD, and I was like, okay, I'm done. I don't need this nostalgia burn anymore. But then <laughs> when I saw the new Netflix series, 
that was the one, like, I was just instantly hooked. And, like, I couldn't stop watching that one. I feel like the 87 Turtles is the weakest cartoon of the I enjoy it. But you can tell that a lot of it was, we have this action figure. Get in. A lot I of gotta, I'd not. rather watch 87 Turtles than I'm still exactly like I was at five. I'd rather watch 87 Turtles than G.I. Joe or He-Man. I just have no interest in them. Oh, I'm going to say this. Uh, 87 Turtles, like, because, you know, in college, that's like when the DVD boom happened and they're like, hey, let's put all your nostalgia stuff on DVD. And so that's like when, like, you know, like He-Man, Thundercats, uh, Transformers. And I remember I, like, I ended up, like, you know, getting these DVDs because I was like, oh, these are the shows I grew up with. The only one, like, I, like, sat down and, like, watched and rewatched and, like, so many times I was like, was the Turtles. Like, and I still, to this day, like, when I was a kid and even when I was in high school, I loved Thundercats. To this day, I still wish I did not pay $50 for those (laughs) DVD sets. And there was four of them for Thundercats. You didn't know it was coming. And that reminds me of, um... I always remember seeing the Smallville uh, Superman TV show box set for like 250 bucks, and now yeah. it's just all on Hulu. <laughs> so, right. like, it's it's so funny like how things moved, but that's probably a, a good trans transition for. I mean, I can't imagine there's a lot of listeners out there who are unfamiliar with with what you're uh, guesting here from. But well, why don't you tell those who might not know? what your podcast is all about and how you got into turtles. Uh, okay. So, uh, uh, if you didn't listen to, uh, the first time that we were guest stars on, uh, <laughs> team and T nerd, um, uh, my wife and I, we have a podcast called, uh, turtle recall, which basically we're going through all 193 episodes of, uh, Ninja turtles. Uh, here's the deal. I grew up, watched the show, loved the show. Uh, I ended up, like, because of my fan passion of it, I ended up, like, hosting panels. Uh, like, you know, I've actually had a panel with Kevin Eastman. That was, like, probably, like, one of my proudest moments. Um, and so, like, I, I, and I, and I just have a way too big of a collection of turtles. But my wife, who, like, never actually sat down and watched the show. Like, <laughs> Uh, ever. So, I'm watching it for, like, you know, like, my billionth time while she's watching it for her first time, and so she's given the eyes of a brand new viewer while I'm given the eyes of, like, okay, I know what's going to happen next, and I know, like, everything that happens, and, like, it's so interesting, like, what she sees that I totally don't see, because I probably saw yeah. it when I was five, but, like, you know, like... So she's ha- she's, she has a fresh eyes, uh, like, you know, she sees something completely different. I love the dynamic you two have because of that. And, uh, I, I mean, I've been listening. My favorite thing this season is the story about your mom not letting you buy VHS tapes. Because it's on television, you don't need to own it. It's amazing. Oh my gosh! I don't know how many times I bring it up. I feel like and, that's such uh, mom logic. Like I, I feel like my mom might have said the same thing about um about me buying VHS tapes and stuff. I know she used to say the same thing about video games. She would be like, 
she would be like, don't you own enough of these yet? And I'm like, they're all different. They're not, right. I'm not buying the same game over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Anna has joined us, so welcome. Hello. How do you see that? I don't see that. <laughs> I think that's a better view. I didn't know there's a camera. I can't like cheat on. Oh, don't worry, don't worry. You, you, we're totally gonna cheat. By the way, I loaded the comic on oh, here when you get there. <laughs> so yeah. transitioning from nostalgia hour, uh, we'll, we're here today to talk about City at War Part Five. Uh, it was story by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, script by Peter Laird and Jim Lawson, pencils by Jim Lawson, inks by Keith Aiken, and lettering. By Mary Kelleher. The cover date on the book is December of 1992. So let's take a look at December of 92 in entertainment. See what was going on back then. The movies from uh, December of 92. I picked a couple, but uh, Toys. You know the Robin Williams movie oh, Toys. That bizarre movie. I'm noticing a lot of the movies we're bringing up here are episodes of the How Did This Get Made podcast. <laughs> like we're, we're, there's a lot of bad movies in the early 90s. Yeah. Uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol, though, that's a good movie. That's oh, probably that movie. the best version of A Christmas Carol, at least top top three. Uh, another movie you- from December, A Few Good Men, Forever Young with Mel Gibson. That's your favorite movie, right, Sean? Forever Young? That movie, that's one of the best Mel Gibson trying so hard movies ever. <laughs> and here's, here's another... Uh, to add to, you know how we've gotten this list of movies that, like, when they came out, people talked about them like they were, like, the biggest movie of all time. Um, we, we said Ham That Rocks the Cradle was one of them. Um, uh, Scent of a Woman, which was a very big movie at the time. I, I, You can't find anybody who's watched Scent of a Woman within the last year. You know what? I've never heard of Scent of a Woman. <laughs> okay. It's about – I I I – I haven't seen it, but I think it's about a a blind man. So he uh, falls he falls in love, and that's where. It's what's a that? Blind lawyer. A blind, blind lawyer. lawyer. It's about Daredevil. It's about Daredevil. <laughs> it's Daredevil with Pacino and Chris O'Donnell as his assistant. Um, it's it's the movie where hoo That's what that's from. But okay. I, saw that movie like three years ago because I never saw it and my dad was all excited to show it to me and I was like well it's gonna be decent he got best actor right one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but I remember at the time it was talked about like one of the greatest movies of all time I, I think it's I think it's dropped in a few episodes of Seinfeld as like a, a reference for a great movie but Anyway, moving on to music. Uh, the Billboard number one songs. Another easy month. It was I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston was the number one song each week. <laughs> there, there you go. You lost half your listeners right there. You're welcome. <laughs> Video games. The Nintendo Power cover was Roadrunner's Death Valley Rally, which right, is this a- was my very last. A Nintendo Power issue I ever got because I was this. My brother and I were like, okay, we don't need this anymore. We played so much. We were like the first kids in our neighborhood to get the Super Nintendo. And this issue I just remember so fondly just because the, we had a big sticker on our cover that said, this is your last issue. Please renew it. Oh yeah. Get that sticker out. 
Yeah, and you'd have to mail in the card inside the magazine to get more magazines. Right, yeah, yeah. Dude. But And oh, no, to this day, I think, like, my dad uh, took it and sold it in his convenience store. We got it. Then my brother, uh, my brother and I and my mom, we all went to Iran. We went there for, like, three months. We came back. The Nintendo Power issue was gone. Like <laughs> TV events. Uh, I didn't have much, but... Ending their runs was uh, Back to the Future, the animated series, stopped that month, and Darkwing Duck ended its run. Yes, yep. it, yes, yes, it ended its run on ABC uh, that month after it's, technically it's just second season, even though, like, it is indication it makes things weird. three seasons. Yeah. And the last thing of uh, putting your mind where this comic was, Saturday Night Live uh, had two episodes that month. December 5th was hosted by Tom Arnold with musical guest Neil Young. Tom Arnold was promoting a new TV show he had at the time that was actually big in the news because he and uh, his then-wife Roseanne were producing it together. Uh, and Roseanne was, like, at the height of its success. So I forget the name of it, but that's, that's why he was on there. Um, and it only lasted one season. Um, dangerous combination at SNL. <laughs> and then uh, December 12th was hosted by Glenn Close with musical guest The Black Crows. I don't know what Glenn Close was promoting. She's not in any of the stuff you mentioned. Maybe next month we'll find out. Maybe she was, you know, early promoting something for January. Um, so we're on, good God, issue 54 already of the book. Yeah, um, we'll tell find, people where they can find it. You can find this on Comixology. And in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Ultimate Classics Volume 4, because IDW loves throwing adjectives in all their collections. Yeah. I mean, the title's already Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> they just want to keep adding. <laughs> so it's what did everyone think of this cover? Yeah. <laughs> Michelangelo, spoiler alert, practicing to be the last Ronin on a smokestack. To me, this cover screamed Spawn, which started in May of that year. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, it, it would have been on, like, it's, like, seventh issue or something like that at this point. Like, it's, but it's, it's very, you know, Todd McFarlane, uh, raggedy, um, <laughs> I don't have the adjectives I need, but, like, it, it just really reminded me of something that could have been a Spawn cover. No, Todd I... McFarlane. Raggedy, that's good. I like that. That that sums up his style. Because it yeah. looks exactly like Spawn's. He has a robe that is basically doing the Spawn cape. I have a feeling like this, like because Spawn was so like big. Was, when Spawn came out, it was very popular. I have that feeling like they're like, hey, let's do like a little kind of like inspiration. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's I, really weird. I don't think I've seen this in any other Turtles things either, that he's kind of standing on his nunchucks. Like, he's not yeah. holding them. He's standing on the chain, and the and the chucks, <laughs> I guess they're called, are, like, dangling below him. It's it's because the UK was like, hey, don't put don't put him using his nunchucks in the he's cover. He's hiding them. <laughs> no, that's part of the chimney. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a good cover. I don't I don't think it's the best. It's not bad. I feel like the first cover was still kind of maybe the like, weakest one. I think I like this one the best so far. Really? You know, you know, I love snow because you know this is Christmas time. Yeah, which we'll find out out of nowhere in the middle of the right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
this cover would better be suited if it was Leo. He's the one that's lost right now in the story. And as as we start the book, the, the very first page is just a giant grocery bag, and I guess Splinter's selling dog food. Like <laughs> <laughs> it does, it does look like Splinter's face. Yes, I actually I want to say, is this a, is this a Splinter? I totally buy this can. <laughs> You gotta have that pizza money somehow, so he's talking. <laughs> we get a shot inside a supermarket that Casey Jones is the bag boy in. So Casey's working as a bag boy in California, which I, I've never, I've had some bad bosses, but I've never had a bad boss who seems like they've stood there my whole shift going, <laughs> no, you're wrong, no, no. And he's given up, his boss has given out some strong Vern, Vern, uh, vibes. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Thompson. Uh, Mr. Thompson, <laughs> yeah. Rating Casey for his bagging skills, and Casey does what any rational Casey does, and socks him in the face. <laughs> well, I like that first he, he puts the bat, the groceries he was bagging over the guy's head, and it's kind of like a hockey fight. And then, and then he knocks him into a display of cans. So, so I used to work uh, retail. Like in my college days, I worked like retail, like you know, all my college career. And what Casey does is exactly what I wish I yes. had, like the like the courage to do. I had I had that kind of manager. Uh, actually, it felt it felt so good to quit. And like he like. We had this love hate relationship um, because he liked he liked me because I was good at my my job, but he hated the fact that he knew I was going to succeed in life. <laughs> what he does here, I feel, is a very Jason moment. Though he, he yeah. tries to apologize, but Vernon, I, I like that this is Vernon, so I'm going to go with that. <laughs> Vernon Talbot head. <laughs> we'll get to that, but. You know, Vernon takes it a little far and wants him to get down on his hands and knees and kiss his feet and beg. So I, I don't, I've never heard of this anywhere. So Casey assaults his manager twice <laughs> within a three minute period. I guess people, people were in his lawsuit happy in 92. <laughs> I guess not because I've never heard of this in real life, but. No, never. Yeah. There's no McDonald's videos or anything like that on YouTube. <laughs> So uh Casey calls him Tal Butthead, which was actually a pretty good gag. I like that. Yeah. And storms out of the, the store so that Because his last so, name's Talbot. So ends his grocery bag boy days. <laughs> a to all who came after him. <laughs> so we go to Splinter and uh as we said last episode, he's kinda in these Ruins of buildings that should be familiar from Tales number four, but uh, it's really not going to come into play till next issue. But he finds all these rats that are kind of parading into a hole, and I, maybe you guys can clear this up for me because I was confused. Is he like fascinated by the rats and isn't paying attention, and that's how he falls down the hole, or is it supposed to be I like think, summoned? I think the the building just crumbled under his feet. That's okay. how I interpreted it. Okay. Like, yeah, that's not, what like I sturdy... interpreted too. I I felt that like he was like fall- seeing where the rats were going, 
And and then like all of a sudden like his weight just kind of like made it uh fall and and then he falls into this big silo thing. Sure, no, the ending of Wolverine is what we called it when we brought it up last time. <laughs> the ending of uh what was it? Wolverine Origins. Yeah, Wolverine Origins, yes. Um so they should have bought the, the turtle should have bought Splinter a life alert bracelet. It would have helped his whole storyline here. They never got him something like that. <laughs> so, so something I just never realized until I I read this uh book or just uh this arc was that for the longest time I thought when the turtles returned to New York and uh, back to the sewers, uh, I thought they brought Splinter with them. And then oh. and it wasn't until, like, when, uh, and, like, this, uh, City of War was something I read years after, uh, after, uh, Return to New York. And, like, because and I knew about, like, the stuff, like, in between. Uh, but I was, like, written on, and, like, just for a few issues, I really was, why is he still at Northampton? And, and like, it didn't, like, click to me. It's like, you know, Splinter was ne- never came back to New York with the Turtles. And then, of course, like, you know, between those issues, they had all that guest era stuff. And obviously, like, I'm pretty sure I can't, I can't be the only person who forgot. Oh, no, no. <laughs> the, the Mirage continuity is really confusing. I, I think had Kevin and I not gone through it the way we've been going through it, right. it would be a complete <laughs> chronological mess for us. Oh yeah. Uh, we we go to April of California who has a very uh slight harassment based job. Well, she's done a computer. I think you can like uh Yeah, she she's using a computer. I thought and, it would have been hilarious uh, if, if she st- if she like punched computer. her boss the way Casey did. That would have been yeah. hilarious. <laughs> that would have been good. <laughs> It's just a cringy moment in the book. I mean, it's not the cringiest thing we've seen in the run, but. Right. So that that's it for April, this issue. We just check in with her briefly. And then and we, then go we back get to... one of my favorite lines of the issue with Splinter here. Pain is a mind beast. <laughs> it's just so, like, over the top. It's, it's uh, voiceover dialogue from a trailer. Yeah, <laughs> this is def- it's definitely Zack Snyder-ish, like men are brave type, um, yes, yeah. type dialogue. But uh, I definitely this, agree with you there. It's a great moment. I feel like they do a great job of kind of, you know, Splinter is not in great shape. You know, he took quite a fall, and his leg's pretty messed up. And, and this is just the thing that Lawson. Eastman, Laird, those guys are great at is conveying so much in just visual. Right. And then we get the awesome, well, we get the car conversation first, which I, I thought kind of was good. Didn't really go anywhere. I don't really know oh. what they were doing with this. The, April's sister picks her up at work scene. Yeah. Yeah. And like, the, and oh. it's, like I, I really felt like this was trying to like remind us, hey guys, it's Christmas. Like, like I, I really felt like they just probably added that, like, last minute, hey, this is going to be yep. releasing in uh, December. Or, like, we had that date 
of December that where this one's going to come out, and then they're like, oh, let, let's let's just throw some Christmas stuff in there. And then for some reason, there's a page inserted from a Spawn comic book. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really I really love this Michelangelo on guard artwork. Like this page is awesome. It, it's a great, you know, couple of pages. Mikey on guard, and then he goes into the water tower, kind of checks up with his brothers, and you know, we we dive more into Leo just being lost, which. I don't know. I'm really digging that arc in this storyline because depending on the version of Leonardo, I don't really invest in him too much, but I'm really, really digging into this version of him. Now, uh, so uh, I don't know if you guys actually own the, the ultimate, uh, like, the ultimate, uh, oh gosh, what, what did IDW call it? It, like the first time they released, uh, IDW released this in the black and white, uh, it was like the ultimate series volume four, I believe, or maybe volume five. Um, it was like the, the hardcover. Hard yeah. 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 Like, so because at the end of each issue, they have like, uh, Kevin Eastman and Pierre Layard, like kind of break down like page by page on like what, uh, on what they did. Unlike, unlike, uh, what, what was the thought process and everything? And, like, they, uh, Kevin Eastman brings this up. He says, you know, we didn't realize this until now, until, like, re-looking at it. It's snowing in New York, but not in Connecticut. <laughs> that is something I thought of. I didn't notice that, so that, that's funny. Yeah. I have it. Just says uh, apparently. If he didn't point it out, I wouldn't have noticed it. So, it's done in such a throwaway line and manner. So we have the turtles, and I mean, the turtles aren't given much to do this issue. We go back to Karai, who's on her private plane, watching footage from the battle from the previous two issues, and she has the technology from Blade Runner. Enhance! And enhance! <laughs> So she enhances the video and disturbs the turtles. So she was on a baby. 1992, <laughs> we have this technology in an airplane, only in Japan. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of cool that she, you know, she didn't know, which means there was no point that Orokosaki or Worm Orokosaki, you know, ever sent her an email or something and was like, hey, Giant turtles, just so you know. Yeah. So, you know, so uh, something I do want to bring up, because a lot, because in, an, in the 87 cartoon, we didn't have Karai, because Karai wasn't made yet, but we had Lotus Blossom. And something a lot of people asked us was, was Karai based off of uh, Lotus Blossom? Uh, in an episode coming up, because we're soon getting into season four, we will ask this question to Kevin Eastman. Because we, we actually have plans of getting Kevin Eastman to talk about if there's a relationship between uh, Karai and Lotus Blossom. The thing I have to say about Karai here is, um, Sean, you remember a few episodes ago we talked about how April and her sister are drawn very similarly. And it was like yeah. kind of hard to tell them apart at first. Karai's kind of drawn very similarly, too. And I'm starting to wonder, like... Why did, did they only know how to draw a certain amount of like women's faces? Because um, uh, what's her name that's with Casey doesn't look the same. 
It, but it's it's well actually she kind of does have she does I feel like they does. get like, hyper detailed on like on like clothing and environments and stuff but the characters their faces stay very plain. Yeah, I could see that. It, there's definitely yeah, I, I just thought it was something worth bringing up that like I'm now noticing now that we this is kind of the first time we've had a lot of human characters in a <laughs> turtle story um and a lot of them like the detail on the face isn't isn't very detailed. No, so I, Gabrielle, even the old man's was, nurse kind of has the same face. <laughs> I will say, uh, for me, Radical and Renette look so much alike. Like, yes. Uh, when they, yes. when I first got the like the the cover of uh, with uh, Radical, uh, like in the IDW uh, collection, like uh, the first thing I thought was, I thought that was Renette. Yep. Yep. No, there was a tweet I remember doing like. I feel like a year ago at this point, but I had like all the, I had those two, uh, I think April and, and it might've even been Karai from this issue or something. And I was like, yeah, the, the Mirage artists definitely have a type. Like, <laughs> like the, the, it was all, it's all brunettes. It's all like the same face. Um, very similar. And trust me, if they were all in the cartoon show, they would all be ro- voiced by Renee Jacobs. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe one of them might have been Jennifer Darling. So we learned. Let's go to a crappy Christmas with Casey. Terrible gift giver. He's gotten this. Four or five months pregnant, she said. We'll go with five. I think she said four, actually. One for good luck. (laughs) No, that's not uh, April. That's uh, Casey's, like, new girlfriend. What, What is her name? Gay, uh, Gabrielle, he calls Gabrielle. her Gabe. Yeah. Which I think um, is so weird. They've made it so it's basically the same actress playing four parts. So we <laughs> all get confused with it. But let's right. not skirt around it. Why is he buying a pregnant woman lingerie? Like, okay. there was nothing else he could have bought her? That is so oh. weird. Okay, okay. No, 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 no. Because uh, Anna can attest to this. Uh, because, you know, she was pregnant. Uh, there, there was no Christmas uh, while you were pregnant, uh, fortunately. But yeah. we, I know we had we had your birthday. Yeah. Uh, because what kind of gifts were you getting a lot of when you were pregnant? Like baby stuff. Exactly. <laughs> and so whenever someone gave her something for her, it was like the most wonderful thing, especially if it was not maternity. Well, that I can understand, but it, this kind of says to me that he doesn't know anything about her, because that seems, uh, I don't know, it just seems like seems like an inappropriate gift to me. Uh, uh, like, honey, there's got to be something else. When you're four months pregnant, uh, <laughs> um, how would you, because out of the four of us, you're the only one who has this experience. I mean, I just, I just, I was thinking in my mind that Casey, not even he's uh, bad about his job, he's bad in his relationship, too. <laughs> <laughs> But the thing is, we don't know anything about Gabrielle as a character, so it's not like I can offer up a, a, a better present. But I feel like Casey's in the same boat. I don't think he knows her at all either. This is clearly uh, just like some rebound, him, him, you know, dealing with his own personal issues while she happens to be around type of relationship. Um, Diary or something. Yeah. Here, right? <laughs> Your experience. Or, I don't know. Yeah, he went right for the lingerie that, I guess he bought on the way out of quitting 
the supermarket. <laughs> he probably bought that while he had the job, and then he was like, "Oh, I can't get anything else." He and looks so was, happy to give it to her too. I'm looking at the the panel where she's opening it. <laughs> uh, you you lose, Casey. You lose. And then just just to reaffirm, because I'm sure this is somebody's favorite character, <laughs> old man's doing better. <laughs> and then we get look, some shablams. We're, we're we're concerned about him. He he had to look. The guy managed um an adult shop, and an explosion happened that starts this whole uh crime war. Thing. We need to know how old man, how the old man with no name is doing. Well, we we move on to the foot in one of their research labs, and they're attacked by the foot elite. So you get another pretty awesome foot on foot action. Trash can head for those who have been listening. <laughs> and uh, he, he destroys the facility. And I thought it was interesting that it's a bioengineering plant. I don't remember if this comes into play in the story, but I just thought the fact that the foot was still kind of, so maybe that's how they made Worm Shredder, was they had a bioengineering plant at the time? Uh, maybe. That's a great question. I don't, like, I, I, still this day, I don't know, I don't know where Worm Shredder came from. So, back to the Warner lot. Yeah. Because, you know, they're Animaniacs. <laughs> as soon as I saw, like, the water tower, that's all I could think of. <laughs> like, like, I just had that theme song stuck in my head, like, we're Animaniacs! <laughs> so the turtles are just still trying to figure out what the heck to do in this situation. Which, I don't know. It, it, I like down-and-out turtles. I like when the heroes yeah. aren't know what the next step is i really like that the the like they don't know what to do and they also don't know who to even talk to about it because usually when they're in a story and and something crazy comes their way they don't know what to do but they know who to talk to about it here they don't even have that Uh, that (laughs) Be a funny moment if they whipped out the turtle calm and like, <laughs> <laughs> they actually whip out the turtle calm. They they actually try to call Splinter. Splinter like all he does is he screams in pain, "Help me!" And then they're like, "Okay, he's not help." And then so they call uh they call Casey and Casey's like, <laughs> "Oh, I mean, my girlfriend all said I gave her the wrong." <laughs> and they're like, "Okay, he's no help." And then they, and then they call uh April while like she tries to answer her phone and you just hear like her nephew shouting, "Tree, tree, tree, tree!" And they're like, "All right, we got nobody." So the turtles are lost, and the issue ends on probably one of the most clever end panels with the crate that says this end up. I actually really <laughs> liked that. I really liked how they put like, like instead of like the end, like they just put like cleverly end uh, in there. Really I think they put it in this corner that right. you want to flip. <laughs> it's also kind of funny that the newscaster in that panel looks like he has a gun pointed at his head because they're, <laughs> oh, they're yeah. doing a news story and like the, the graphic is up next to him. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, if this was done in, like, 
Um, now the the gun would be facing the other way. Yes. I'm pretty sure, like, you know, with everything so sensitive and everything, as soon as, like, someone's like, whoa, that gun is, like, pointed right to his head. They're like, what? Nope, 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 nope. Let's, let's, let's flip that around. Let's make it all sensitive. Like, I feel like the artist did that as a joke. Like, it, it seems intentional to me. <laughs> so, last well, time you gave me the, the black and uh, white version. And I think yeah. now I'm looking at the, the color version. And I think I like the black and white version so much better because somehow uh, I saw that the artists, they, uh, they kind of like work with the, the positive and the negative spaces in the black and white. But mm-hmm. um, in the color, I don't see that movement that uh, between the positive and negative. The pages that was about the student had the most uh, like movement and was the most uh, creative like framing. Um, I usually end up liking the black and white more as well. Um, I feel like there's just something about this art style that doesn't colorize very well. Uh, maybe you just articulated it better than, than, than me, but like, I think, uh, I think there is, I think there is something to say. I mean, I do still buy the color classics and, and like read them in color and, and there are things about it I like, but I think I always do prefer the black and white as well. Anna, be, being the artist on, on the show. Do you know anything about that process of converting black and white images and colorizing them? Kind of. I'm not sure exactly how they do it, but I know uh, digitally when you want to color it, like, uh, you, uh, like for example, in Photoshop, you, you, you just choose the, like, different modes and color in layers and just, uh, um, you put the layers on top of the, uh, sketches and, um, they just, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's kind of like they have different mode that, uh, how the color and the lines like merge together and, uh, show like different effects. Cause we, we brought it up a couple episodes ago. The best coloring of black and white I've seen is IDW started, uh, Usagi Ujimbo Origins series. And that takes the original books and colorizes them. But I don't know if Stan Sakai is more involved with that, but his art seems to actually work with the colorization. So one, uh, also this, uh, one of the pages that is my favorite page is like the page five that is the first page that uh, they uh, they introduce a splinter in this uh, because yeah. in one page we can see like a splinter like from all angles like. Uh, uh, we can see behind his head. We can him see him in a long shot. We can see him in uh, like different kind of angles that uh, it gives us a overall introduction of knowing Splinter before like uh, uh, we actually see what happened to him. Uh, I actually very like how uh, the artist played uh, with uh, layout in this page. You get a good idea of his frame for sure. Yeah, I, that's a good point. And this was Jim Lawson, right? Yeah. Very, uh, yeah. <laughs> very Turtles Jim Lawson book, which yeah. is interesting. Right. Because usually, if you remember, we met Jim Lawson like two years ago. He's the one who gave us that Bebom Rock City poster. Oh, oh, I, I love his art. So, uh, to the rating, I mean, I, I thought this was a good issue. I gave it just a 3.0, just because there's so little Turtles in it. 
Yeah, the, I was about there. I gave it a 3.2 um, just because it feels like it's the issue right before everything's going to start to get, like, crazy good, and I want some room to go. Um, but, yeah, I, it, it was middle of the pack. Um, not bad. Not, not like, you know, not anything that I would put in a top ten list or anything like that. So I'll say for me, this is the first time I've actually isolated this issue by itself. Because uh, cause, like the few times I've read City at War, it's always been lumped in like together. Uh, it's either been I read all 13 issues in one in one sitting, or I've read or I read like you know the first volume, which was the first six um, issues, and then and then read the other half when that got uh, released uh, the first time by IDW. Uh, so just by just by itself, like it's a very like just calm issue, but just by itself, there's really, as you mentioned, there's nothing much going on. I like the characterization we had at the beginning with Casey and the grocery store only because I can relate to that. <laughs> uh, like I I I really like that. Uh, but but then like like you know. Like, you know, you have Karai, I don't even think, at this point, I don't think we actually still have her name at this point. From, no, yeah. no, they say Karai. Oh, they her last Karai? name. Okay. Yeah, they, they say Karai. I, I made a note of it because I was like, oh, okay, they've definitely done it at this point now. Right, yeah. And then, like, and then, like, we have, like, just one random frame of, like, the adult so- store owner, like, and I'm like, why is he, like, like, why do we, why did we even waste that space? Over there, like when you're just looking isolated, it's like, why is this kind of? He's actually the glue that holds the whole turtle universe together. Um. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, okay. oh one hundred percent yes. I don't he know. Was, he was the reason uh, the truck swerved, and uh, the kid uh, dropped his turtles into the sewer. And <laughs> he's the, he's the, he was the one who called up Matt Murdock to say, "Hey, don't go there." Yeah. <laughs> He's like, uh, no, uh, Matt, uh, you need something for my store for you and Electra for tonight. Sold Casey Jones his first hockey stick. <laughs> <laughs> and some porn. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, like, the, the hockey There's stick this... was like free hockey stick when you get pork. <laughs> it's like the most misguided like, sale I've ever. How can I sell more dirty movies? <laughs> That's what the kids who watch these like. <laughs> so moving on to our next segment. All the time. All the time we buy the whole wall of magazines, that guy. And one Nintendo Power that's got a sticker on it that says last issue. Last issue. <laughs> it's forever branded on that issue now. And like <laughs> you know, and at that time I liked the Roadrunner, and I was like, why is why is my cover all like like you know dirty with this sticker on it? Not a good game though. So moving into the second segment of the show here, uh I figured since we were having Jason and Anna on, uh we would change up the rotation a little bit, do our our segment on the 87 cartoon this episode, since they are the the experts there. They're the ones with that podcast. And um, Wait, we talked so, about the cartoon. When did we start doing this? <laughs> we we covered the first season because it was only five episodes long. Um, being that the second season is 13, 
episodes and it would take us too long to cover each one. I, I thought Sean and I would just give our top five and, and if you have a top five, feel free to participate. Just our top five of season two. Uh, Sean, you remember last time we did a, a list, we had that thing where like, if, if one of, if, we'll, we'll go back and forth. If, if one of mine is on your list, we'll save it until the highest point. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I remember. So I guess I'll go first. Uh, my, my number five episode, and I think Sean's gonna disagree, but, uh, my number five episode is Teenagers from Dimension X. Because. That is my list. I love the neutrinos, and I think I remember you don't like them. <laughs> I just made sure I don't write that. <laughs> Did you not write that because you didn't want to say neutrinos? Well, I, just, I just didn't like that. <laughs> Thank um, you. I understand their voices. They just they go through me. I think it's funny that it's called Teenagers from Dimension X, uh, being that season one had hot-rotting teenagers from Dimension X, so they just shortened the same title. <laughs> Yeah, that, I remember when we got to that episode, I was, I really was like, did they really just take that same <laughs> title and just took out, just took out part of the sentence? Uh, but, just uh, something, some things I jotted down about this episode I thought were worth mentioning. Um, so at the very beginning, the turtles are watching a wall-mounted television. Not, a, it's not a flat screen though. It's like a, a square box TV, but it's up on the wall, which I guess was kind of ahead of its time. I, I was it in black and white or color? It was in, we, we've been like tracking. <laughs> it was in color, but I don't know why it was up on the wall because they've established that they have a normal living room set up as well. So, so I don't know what if this. You remember season two? They're in a different part of the sewer than any other season in the series. Oh, okay. And then, and then, right after they're they're watching the TV, they gave this thing that that reminded me. This was in a lot of cartoons at the time. It was like a trope where a character would be like, um, at the beginning of an episode, a character would be like, hey, remember the time that this happened? And then coincidentally, that would be what this episode's about to be about. Like, like later on, they were basically like, hey, remember when the neutrinos showed up? And then that happens to be the same day that the neutrinos come back. <laughs> so I, I thought that was like something that happened a lot in cartoons back then. So... Uh, something interesting about the neutrinos, uh, Kala is voiced by Susan Blue, um, who does, like, a, like, pretty much all the girl voices in Transformers. Uh, Susan Blue actually ends up being the voice director of the, uh, 2003 series. Uh, oh, that's cool. cool. Yeah. I want to say at one point she becomes the voice director of the 87 series, but I, th- I think that's just my old memory thinking that I have to like, I haven't found it. I haven't seen it in the credits yet, but that is uh, Coolsville, daddy. Oh yeah. yeah daddy. <laughs> uh, and the other, the only other thing I had worth mentioning in this episode was Donatello crashes the turtle glider into a fruit stand for no reason. He, he could have landed it, but he chose to crash into the fruit stand. And we still don't know where the blimp goes. Yeah. So, <laughs> we've been trying to find where the blimp goes because they'll detach it and then like there so somewhere like in somewhere in New York there's this big uh deflated uh, balloon that just says turtles on it and like cuz they don't go track it down. They don't like like oh let's go pick this up and pick up our trash. I, I know where it goes. You don't know where it goes? Oh, where does it go? They store it in the cloud. <laughs> oh! 
And there go all our subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't like the neutrinos. I, I'm just a mean. All right. All right mean. What's your five? Uh, number five, I just had the first episode, Return of the Shredder. Just because I not thought. On, not on my list. I just thought it was a good. Int- that, that, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's. Oh, that's actually not on my list. I thought it was. Okay. That's, that's in my list. That, that, okay, that's an honest list. All right, we'll hold off on it then. Yeah, you uh, go. Anna, you want to tell us what your five is? I'm taking over this podcast. Number five is? Yeah, 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 yeah. Your lowest. Oh, the lowest? Yeah. Uh, Return of the Technodrome. That's actually not on my list. <laughs> not on mine either. No, it, it, it's, it, oh, okay. It, it, it's on my list. I'm starting to feel like I have a weird list, but no, it's not on mine. <laughs> but, okay, so you have new t- uh, my number five is actually uh, Curse of the Evil Eye. Not on, uh-huh. not on my list. Oh, oh, okay, Anna has it on her. I actually hated that crystal. <laughs> like it, la- that storyline. That's the crystal that lasts like three episodes, right? Four episodes. Four episodes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Moving on to number four. Yeah. First of the evil eye. Uh, number four, I put New York's shiniest. Oh, it's- that's on my list. Okay, I'll hold that's- off then. <laughs> that is on my list, and you'll you'll never guess where that's on my list. <laughs> okay. That's gonna be number one for him. <laughs> Sean, number four. Number four, I have Splinter No More. Nope. I don't have it. Uh, All right. Talk about it. I I just liked it because it delves into that trying to be, make uh Did he leave his he, dirty robe in a trash can and, and walk away like Spider-Man no more? When he transforms, he suddenly has a tie-on. <laughs> like, that's... That, that, that's a great moment that apparently whatever you mutated... Did he go from, get an office job? <laughs> so... I actually like the title, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She like, I just remember we were going to that episode where we are like, oh, the next episode is Splinter Bar. And she was like, yeah! I was like, no, Splinter's not going to leave forever. <laughs> my, okay, my problem with, uh, with Splinter No More is because the very first season, their whole, like, goal, and, like, obviously when they wrote the first season, they didn't know they were going to make, like, more. But their whole goal was, like, we're going to make Splinter into a human. And then... We get into then we get into season two and that's just not talked about. <laughs> and then this episode comes up and they're like, "Oh, you know, like it just it, it, it's not like oh that's our goal or anything like that. It was just like a random thing. It's like oh you know what? Uh, I just made this formula just no reason." <laughs> All right, I think Anna was next in rotation. What's number four? Uh, it was incredible shrinking turtles. Oh, uh, that's actually on mine. <laughs> All right. That, that almost got on mine, but it didn't. Uh, so my number four is Enter the Fly. That I is on that. my list. That's All on right. your list. Okay. Everyone's got it. <laughs> it's, just, it's like bingo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. Yeah. So number three, my number three is Invasion of the Punk Frogs. Nope. Yeah, that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> your number three? No, I think that's that's actually higher than three. Oh, it's higher. Than th- okay, never mind. Oh, okay. All right, we'll save it then. So my my number three is Catwoman from Channel Six. <laughs> nope. I remember. Um, it. I knew. What do you like about Catwoman from Channel Six? I just like it because it's a lesser episode. I, I tweeted this when they covered it. It's a lesser version of the episode where they turn Selena Kyle into an actual Catwoman. Oh yeah. <laughs> I remember. 
Anna, you you got freaked out with April as a cat, and you actually screamed during that episode. Yeah, I, I didn't like it. I actually wrote the Enter the Fly and Cat from um, Channel Six. Channel Six. I, I wrote those two as important episodes, but I don't like them. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a weird episode where Shredder has the collar. And- like, right. Sure, just happens to have a collar, and he's like, "Hey, guess what? I have a, I, I just have this lying around." But it was, it's nice to have an episode kind of showcase April having a mutation problem. <laughs> I mean, there's obviously memorable episodes about it, and obviously it's memorable enough that Neca made an action figure of it, and just the amount of complaints I've seen of like people like. Oh, uh, we don't have swapple parts uh, for this uh, action figure, and most of these people are from the ones who actually own the actual April O'Neil, uh, the human April O'Neil version. I'm like, but I know that their complaints is we want a better April O'Neil. I, I don't, and like the now like the Super Seven April O'Neils being released, and like I'm seeing a lot of people, oh, this April O'Neil sucks. Like I, I don't know what. People want April and Neil to look like an action figure. <laughs> um, so I think we're on Anna. You're number three. Return of Shredder. I don't have that on my list. Uh, I, She's good at the highest. Okay, you got that. Hey, right, let's talk All about. Right. It. All right, so let's talk about the season premiere, which is I, I'm so pr- I thought I wrote it on my list, but I didn't. <laughs> I, I'm just guessing. Frank. <laughs> I, love- I actually wrote Crank because we had a good amount of Crank. Uh, yeah. Also, I like that we had all the main character. Uh, I felt like the animation was very good, and the other character that is my favorite, Tiffany, was all in that. Oh, you know, I should have guessed that was that because of <laughs> Tiffany. Like, <laughs> you know, I Neca, if you're listening to TMT nerds, bring Tiffany <laughs> to an action figure. I love that, um, I mean, I know it's not the first time it shows up, but there's a good amount of the, the communicator that Shredder has in that episode, and I don't know why it's shaped like a pork chop, but it, <laughs> I, re- I really like that thing that's, like, completely not impressive at all anymore. It's just FaceTiming. Right, um, right, exactly. Did they ever make a toy of that? Yes, they made a okay. common toy. Like, uh, okay. they, I mean, it, it looks so different from, like, what the uh, oh, show right. was. Yeah. Saki, while you're out, get some milk. Like <laughs> <laughs> one thing, because I, I remember when we discussed about the season premiere of season two, I just thought it was just so weird. Like Splinter's first line is that he says all of the turtles' name like in full, like you, like he 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 was like Leonardo, Michelangelo, Donatello, Raphael. It was almost like. Hey, let's reintroduce the show because now we actually have a weekly time slot. I think Splinter was on a bender in between seasons, so they needed a way for him to remember his son's names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing, uh, one thing that's really interesting uh, about that episode, I will say, at the beginning, that's when uh, Leo and Mikey they're in the grocery store and they're shopping. Uh, and then, like, you know, yep. th- then there's two thugs that come in to rob the grocery store. The the two thugs that are robbing the grocery store is voiced by Barry Gordon and Rob Paulson. And I just, 
I just thought it was a like the opening scene actually has four of the main characters and Renee Jacobs is the cashier. So like <laughs> like pretty much the main cast is at the beginning of like the opening scene of the episode. There's just like only two of them are voicing the their actual characters. And what was your number three? My number three is the Incredible Shrinking Turtles. See, I Anyone? like that. I just didn't put it on my list. Anyone have it higher? All right, all right. So, uh, one I what I really liked about the Incredible uh, Shrinking Turtles was this was the start of the Eye of Sarnoth uh, saga. So, like, there's like a total of uh, four episodes. It's rare for Ninja Turtles to have like just like continuation episodes. Uh, so I, I thought it was actually really cool. Like, hey, even though it's very, even though each episode is kind of like, oh, it's our own thing and you can like air it out of order, uh, and it's not going to do much. Uh, but it was just cool that we actually got that whole thing. And the fact that it opens up with like an alien crashing to earth and he dies. Like, I mean, <laughs> a, a death, an on-screen death on Ninja Turtles is so rare. Abin, sir. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I like that Mikey showed up as uh, Shredder. a Shredder. Yes, actually, I like that. Oh yeah, I like that thing. <laughs> and I thought that it had like a very good action sense. Yeah, it, yeah. No, I agree with you there. I mean, you haven't made it till you've had a shrinking episode. Right. Exactly. Like that's when you know your cartoon has made it. You ha- your char- your main characters shrink. Your main characters shrink, and also they go back in time. Like, then you have a show. My number two is The Case of the Killer Pizzas. I got that high, yeah. Okay. So well, the there's only one spot higher, so we know we know yeah. you got it. <laughs> uh, Enter the Fly is my number two. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, it's not on hers. I, I just like that they find, you know, you get Baxter as a fly. It's the episode for me that solidified that the 87 Shredder is not interested in ninjutsu. He's just interested in science and technology. And that's always stuck out and been weird to me because you had the 90 movie where, you know, it's, you know, ninjutsu and all that stuff. And then the comics. And then in the show, it's, you know, he's basically MacGyver, but not as good at it. And it just it never made sense to me that he's, so scientific in the series but you get Baxter as a fly which I like and is a rare thing because Baxter doesn't turn into a fly in most versions of it yeah it's it's unique to the it well not completely unique because no, you know, some of the comics but yeah yeah it's um it's something I'm still waiting for IDW to do and and the fact that they have like a thousand mutants at this point makes me feel like they're never going to do it. <laughs> oh god. The reason why like Ender Flies on my list is mainly because my big disappointment of season 2 was the fact that uh it was we just had Shredder uh doing all everything and he he gets Baxter Stockman in the beginning. The first half of season two is Shredder and Baxter, but there's no foot soldiers, there's no Roxanne Bebop, there's no uh there there there's just not much of like everything that you remember from Ninja Turtles. Up until Enter the Fly, Enter the Fly brings Roxanne Bebop into season two. And that was like yep. my big thing was like because he throws Baxter, because for some reason you have to have a balance 
uh, of people in Dimension X, and like, so yeah. like, the hero's like, Baxter, you go to Dimension X, I get Roxanne Bebop, even though that's still like, not really balanced. The same principle as <laughs> the time travel in Turtles 3. Right. You have, to have equal when you're going back and forth. And, uh, Anna's number two? Is, uh, Cares of Evil Eye. Oh, okay. okay uh, that was yes. number five, so I, I don't think anyone has it higher. Nope. Nope. Uh, so go ahead and talk about it. That crystal. Yeah, that crystal, yes. <laughs> so, uh, I, I like, I mean, I don't have so much, uh, logic behind it, but I like that we, we got, uh, Shredder without helmet in this episode. Yeah, like a lot of oh, yeah. Shredder, and like a lot of, of, of his face. We don't really get much of Shredder's face in the show. Yes. So, like, it, it was nice to see that. Also, um, this is like where the debate comes in. Is Shredder's mask cloth or is it, uh, metal? Because in this episode it's cloth. Depends on how his laundry's doing. <laughs> so what are we down That's to number why one? It's on my list because it, because he, Roger had that book. I thought that was just hilarious. Yeah, uh, I, I like that. Like, 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 it's just like he has this, like, specific title to the book. Poor Roger. He works at Channel 6 and then after this episode we never see him again. <laughs> like, um, and then, uh, but yeah, uh, the reason, the big reason why this is on my list is because it was the conclusion to the Aya Sarnoff, uh, saga. And it was just cool, like, seeing, like, it was like, you know, the reward for watching the episode, like, like, the watch, watching the show for, like, the first, like, five weeks. Hey, here's a reward for, like, sticking with us when, now that we're on syndication. Um, like, you know, we, we actually have, like, a, like, an ongoing story. And, uh, uh, that, that's actually why I liked it a lot, and then, like, you know, Shredder made the, all those. And then he made the bad guy from uh, the Turtles and 2 uh, arcade game that got replaced by Slash. And and your number two? My number two is Return of the Technodrome, the season finale. I think you have that highest. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, my main reason why this is, like, my number two is because this is, like, the Foot soldiers finally like return. There's another episode where like they kind of make a guest appearance. I think it was the teenagers from Dimension X. There was like all the foot soldiers, the rock stars return, and they they're fighting at the Niagara Falls. Oh yeah, all right. I forgot that part. Yeah, yeah. It does. This episode does feature one of my most hated tropes. That is like when. Everyone's like around, like, okay, right, guys, I have a plan. And then all of a sudden, you just hear, <laughs> oh yeah. And they, I mean, there's no one around them who can talk in your normal voice. It's, it's, it's one of my most hated tropes, and it happens a lot in this show. It's funny, that's not a trope you experience like now. No, so, no, no, now, now it's like Ocean's Eleven kind of thing. It's like, alright, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do this, and then they kinda like show, show the people yep. doing that. Now, but like back then it was like, okay, instead of explaining it and then having to do it, we're just gonna whisper that the only people who can't hear it is just the audience. So wrapping things up, I didn't want to interrupt the discussion you had, but my number one was Enter the Fly. The only thing I want to add to what we already said was just like, it's so iconic that, like, honestly, I feel like when I think of Turtles villains from that era, I yeah. think of Shredder first, and then I think I think of Baxter's The Fly before I even think of Krang. Like, it's it's just, like, that ingrained in my mind. 
Baxter is a character that I feel like nostalgia plays tricks on me. So I feel like he was a bigger part of that series than he was. Continuity-wise, the show is so concise about Baxter's continuity, and but the, they're not this concise with anyone else's continuity. <laughs> but Baxter's, like I said, the show only has like two continuity they make they keep track of: where the Technodrome is and where and uh, Baxter and Baxter Stockman. I mean, everything else is like. Oh, you know what? Uh, they have the sewer tubes. No, they don't. Let's go ahead and introduce it again, Donatello. <laughs> uh, so, Sean, you're number one. So, number one for me is Case of the Killer Pizzas. Good episode. That's like the iconic, you know, everyone had the VHS copy except Jason. Yeah. And, and they show up in the video games a lot. They're in the yeah, they show up in the video games. We got NECA figures coming out of them pretty soon. So, it, it's more just for how much it seeped into other Turtles media, so it stayed with me a lot more than some episodes of the 87 series. And I'm a sucker for, you know, monsters that, you know, get activated by the microwave. And your number ones? Invasion of the Frog. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I like love the punk because frogs. I really like the character design of the frogs that parallel to the four turtles. We had the four frogs and that they kind of had the same story of them being mutated. And uh, I thought it's very funny that uh, the character design, uh, that they have those uh, Hawaiian shirts. And uh, I, 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 I really liked it. <laughs> I, I know I always if Anna could, like, redo the show, it would be Krang and the Four <laughs> Frogs. And then, like, we would actually have, that would be the show. I remember as a kid, I was always a sucker for, like, doppelganger characters, which it's funny now that, like, Marvel made a whole, like, film series where that's all they were going to do for villains, because I just remember, like, the, the Ghostbusters had the People Busters, mm-hmm. and, um, and like, they, there was always the, the doppelganger characters, and I always loved it every time. My favorite moment with the punk frogs is the fact that Shredder put the effort into making the device that made it look like he was wearing regular clothes. Changing <laughs> <laughs> regular clothes. Yeah. See, no, no, no. Here's the question: Like, when the frogs like went back to uh, Florida, did they lose their clothes, or did, like did the hologram thing actually like pour <laughs> into like real clothes? Uh, my one complaint about the frogs, other than the fact that like they never really gave them character. With the naming of, of them, they're because like they don't just, like. They have so much character. But like, <laughs> well, you got the Yeah, and like you're you're like, all right, here we go. We have Napoleon Bonafrog, and then like, and then the, all creativity stopped from there because then it was like, <laughs> then it was like Rasputin, the Mad Frog, uh, Attila, the Frog. Genghis, frog. I'm like, oh my god. There's like so many synonyms for the word frog. You can be Attila the Toad. Like, and that's you know, lunch. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it took like all of five minutes to come up with these names. I mean, you know, Kevin Eastman and Pierre Layard, like they misspelled like Michelangelo, and he had to like. But at least they put some effort on like putting, yep. uh, like you know, names for these uh for these turtles. Like they just like. But we're gonna make them all frog puns, and like the old, they just they came up with one, and then they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> let's just add frog to all that to all, the end of all of them." <laughs> all right, 
My number one is New York's shiniest. I oh, knew I it. I love that one. It's, I all had right, it as five, right. but uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, and like the reason why it's my number one actually is like not because of the quality of the episode. To be honest, it's a very like run the mill uh, episode. That why was a robot cop taught how to cook? Hey, <laughs> robot cops need to be learned how to cook. Okay, Rex, Rex One was there to serve and protect, and like it once he once he has like someone in his witness protection program, he need to make sure that they had food. But <laughs> the reason why, and it's actually come up from the very beginning of this podcast that Sean brought brought up, was my mom did not want me to have any of these episodes <laughs> on VHS, and. The day that she allowed me, I remember it was one of those scholastic book fair uh, books. Oh, like, yeah. yeah, and and one of them you could have bought was Ninja Turtles Cowabunga Shredhead, which is my absolute favorite episode. Oh, and nice. and like uh, when this came out, I, I really was like begging my mom's like, oh my god, like I want and like and like so she actually let me buy the VHS. Of that, and that VHS actually the second episode after Cowabunga Shredhead was New York Shiniest, and I had that episode like completely like memorized, and like so I just have so much memories of the fact that like I actually had this one on VHS. I like growing up we had an antenna, and like our channel affiliate for Ninja Turtles was Channel Thirty Six, so we had to like adjust the antenna just right so we can make sure that. We can see all the episode without it like fuzzing out. So like the fact I didn't have to worry about that, it was just uh, that's what like what made it like very memorable for me. And and like you know I love when I love when Rex One starts like working out on and, like Mikey complains that like he's losing all of his uh, VHS tapes uh, because they have to program that into Rex One. It, oh it yeah, yeah. Fitting in my situation. <laughs> Back when computers re- ran on anything. You, you you guys mentioned the trope that, like, you know, all cartoons back then, there was always a shrinking episode. I feel like RoboCops were a big thing back in the early 90s, too, because, like, even Family Matters had the, the episode yeah. where, like, the Steve Urkel robot became yeah. a cop. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, 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 that, that was a very true. RoboCop had his own cartoon show, even though that, that movie was rated R and not for kids, where they're like, hey. We can make this for kids. Had an NES game too. It did. I always got stuck at the part where the walls come in. You gotta get a get on top of it. That's what hands. <laughs> yeah, that episode was one of the ones where, like, uh, I have that book Rad Plastic about the toys. Yeah, I always it was weird that there's no figure for him. Right, and like I'm still I'm still waiting for. NECA to I can see NECA make a figure for for Rex One. I was like crossing my fingers that like the the channel before they announced the channel news uh, news uh, crew set that Rex One was going to be a part of that set as well. Like uh, I like uh, there was parts of me I'm like yeah, he kind of fits with Channel Six because you know he was <laughs> in that thing. Hey, he's on the t- he's on the T-shirt. That's season two. Uh, you guys are. Almost done with season three right now, correct? Yes, we're almost done with uh, season three. Uh, but uh, recording, like the recording of this podcast, 
our next episode is actually part one of the three-part finale. And oh. so really excited about that because really I'm like ready for like the CBS episodes, even though we don't get to CBS episodes for a good while, but just ready. I'm like so ready to get into that one. <laughs> um, so why don't you tell people where they can find that podcast before we wrap things up here? Uh, yeah. Um, so you can find the entire podcast itself at res.tv uh, slash uh, turtle recall. Uh, and that's where you can find all of our episodes Wherever you listen, uh, to podcasts, you can find our, uh, our podcast there. Um, but like on Google and Spotify and all that, it's only going to have the last 25 episodes. So if you're like, oh, I want to hear what, I want to hear their awful recording of episode one, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, you you need to go to that, our, our actual like, um, main site, uh, to, uh, uh, for, for those. But if you want, if you just want to hear what, where we're doing, and especially, uh, in our podcast, we do have like a new section where we talk about like the current events of Ninja Turtles. Uh, so if you just want to listen for that, like you definitely want to keep up with the, uh, what Apple has. Alrighty. And that's pretty much it. So thank you guys. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Anna, so much for, for coming on. And, uh, oh, thank you for having me. And yeah, yeah. Th- thanks for having us again. Uh, again, uh, we love coming here and, uh, you know, anytime you guys want to come back to ours, just, uh, let us know. Um, you know, we had Kevin, we still haven't had Sean because, uh, <laughs> we, we had scheduling conflicts last, last time. All right. You, you're going to get me season four. We're going to make it happen. All right. All right. Nope. We'll, we'll get you season four. See, like I said, season four is another long season and we're like, we're making it even longer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, sweet. So, yeah, definitely go check them out. And thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you all back here next week for, uh, you know, another installment of I'm sick of this city being at war. <laughs> Still want that guy. The Ninja Turtle Nerds is a fan-supported podcast. If you'd like to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash tmntnerds. If you'd like to see images of the comics we discussed in this episode, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at TMNTNerds. Have a question or comment for us? You can email us at TMNTNerds at gmail.com. And if you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much for listening.